We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Drafting our going deep league. That's what we're going to do on this bonus episode of Stealing Bananas. I'm Ben Gretsch. You can find me on Twitter at Yards Per Gretsch and at my Substack at, at bengretsch.substack.com. Joined, as always, by Sean Siegel. You can find at Rotoviz. And Sean, we talked to Mike Clay uh, about a week ago and talked to, about this upcoming going deep draft. And we're getting ready to do it. And, and we thought it'd be fun to stream it and... Talk through. I mean, this is the great format that we talked about. It's super flex. You start three running backs. You start six receivers, two tight ends. It's not going to be applicable to a lot of leagues. At the same time, it there couldn't really be a better test of of sort of structural drafting, the concepts of of how you relate to each position, how you need to be flexible in draft to you know different different outcomes. And we're gonna, I think, gonna spend a lot of time talking just about what positions we want to go at at the different parts, right? Yeah, you mentioned that this may not transition or translate directly to a lot of the drafts that people are doing, Ben. But I'm excited for this one because it is a Superflex draft. We've had some questions about Superflex. We've talked about it to an extent, but we haven't drafted a Superflex team outside of Dynasty. And this will give listeners a chance to kind of think through what they want to do when they're on the clock in Superflex leagues coming up over the next week. Uh, When we were talking with Mike Clay, we mentioned that we thought this was uh, basically a start with tight ends and QB situation. Last year we went tight end, QB, QB, tight end, and we're fortunate enough to hit on Travis Kelsey to start, then Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson. Those two picks panned out, and then Darren Waller. So that four-player start really carried us. This is also a great format, and you know, hesitate to bring it up because we talk about it a lot, but if there's ever been a perfect format for zero running back, it is this one because the quarterbacks are so important, the tight ends are so important, and then the starting lineup is three running backs, six wide receiver. To fill those six wide receivers after you started maybe tight end quarterback, you got to really get after it. You actually don't have to score hardly any running back points to be competitive in this league. Yeah, I mean, you get both quarterback spots, both tight end spots, and then, like you said, you can start or, or you you have to start six wide receivers. So there's all these other lineup spots where you can have potentially a pretty strong positional advantage. I mean, I think one thing when we go pretty heavy zero RB, but we're also attacking QB and tight end early, we're, we're getting the advantage of QB and tight end, hopefully. I mean, certainly we got some some 
luck involved last year or, or fortune when you get Kelsey and Waller both, and they're the two monster tight ends, um, as well as two, you know, two strong quarterbacks. But then beyond that, I think we, we still built a, a wide receiver roster that especially down to the to the sixth wide receiver spot is gaining on our on our competition where other people are, you know, maybe taking running backs earlier. And we basically just played who do we have? Like Naheem Hines. <laughs> we did. And and one of our first well, I mean, I say one of our first, but it was super late in the draft. <laughs> one of our first running backs was Marlon Mack. He obviously got hurt right from the beginning, and it, it just doesn't hurt you that much. The other thing that's kind of interesting about this league, and I I enjoy it. I would sort, sort of recommend it to people considering different tweaks they can make. It's got an incredibly deep starting lineup, but it also has very few bench spots. And so there are going to be some people on waivers and – you actually have to draft the people that you want to play. You can't just stash a bunch of guys and say, well, you know, I'll, I'll try and figure out that week. Like you, you got to have the people you want on your roster and they go in the lineup and then there are going to be some free agent moves you have to kind of make. And then the flip side of that is when, when we do draft young guys that we like, we have to play them. <laughs> like, cause you might have an injured guy. You can, you can put some guys on IR, like you said, but I think it's only three bench spots for all those positions if you want to carry a third QB or a third tight end, which is tough at times, you basically can't carry, maybe it's four bench spots, but you basically can't, you maybe carry one backup at each position. I'm not exactly sure, but um, it is very shallow on the bench. And so a lot, you know, we're, we're doing stuff like we had Miko Hardman last year. We're, we're putting him in our lineup every week, which is sort of fun because like, you know, you made the bet on Miko Hardman. If he gets a splash play, you get sort of that best ball element. It's like, Hey, cool. You know, we got some Miko Hardman points even if he doesn't have a great season, you know? So that's what been one of my favorite parts is throwing in these random receivers and having them, you know, go off occasionally. It's, it's pretty fun. It is. It is. And then before we get too deep into the draft, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the cuts, obviously teams getting down to uh, the rosters that they're more or less going to be using now for the season. You sent out a stealing signals newsletter today, kind of going over the changes you were making. You said a lot of these are sort of subtle changes, but they could be changes that are meaningful for people as they draft their final teams, as they make trades, as they're going for that first waiver wire run. What did you see happening today and how is it changing your rankings? Yeah, the Cam Newton release was a big one. It actually didn't change my rankings much because I think the writing was starting to be on the wall. I've been pretty aggressive with Jacoby Myers and James White, but Patriots tied for the fourth fewest pass attempts uh, in the past eight seasons last year. So fewer fewer passes than than any team in the league in, you know, on any given year, potentially, in the last you know decade since we've really gotten the pass-heavy pass heavy trends across the league. They weren't actually dead last last year because the Ravens were, were significantly lower than them. But th- we, we have to expect a lot more pass volume with Max Jones under center. They're still going to be a power running team, but they're going to be a power running team with an immobile quarterback who's going to throw at times. They're going to look like a normal running team, like a you know a Vikings or a Titans or something. And so that's good for Jacoby Myers. It's good for James White. I think it's good for the tight ends potentially. Uh, I didn't I didn't move them a ton because I already had. The other big one was the Falcons cutting both Deontay Foreman and Caleb Huntley. And they're going to just go forward on, on their initial 53 with three running backs, Mike Davis, Kadri Allison, and Cordero Patterson. You've been telling, saying to me that you've been reading a lot that Patterson looks like maybe he's the number two, which is pretty interesting. I mean, regardless, it's, it's very shallow. And Mike Davis, I think people are going to push up Mike Davis as a result of this. I, I'm looking at it more like 
number one, we probably have to expect there's a lot higher likelihood in this on this roster than on most that somebody who's not on the roster on uh, at, you know at week one is going to have 50 or 100 touches or more during the season. But number two, also that you know this is a place where we could get some zero RB production, whether that's you know Allison or, or Patterson or or someone else. Um, is there a chance this team is kind of stealthily moving in that direction of being a Bills type of team? And that's not what we were expecting with the new head coach. But I mean, they just they seem like they have some weapons in the past game. They don't have anything at the running back position. I mean, I, I think the way that you that you think of it would be that Arthur Smith built his offense in Tennessee around sort of the personality had. I mean, I think that's the smart way to build offenses. I think that's something Bill Belichick's done well his whole career that, you know, people get sick of using Bill Belichick as a gold standard, but I think it's worth pointing out and, and holding up. You know, as soon as they traded for Randy Moss, they completely changed their passing game way back when. Then they got two tight ends that completely changed their passing game again. And then, you know, there's different times that they did all sorts of different things. Look at last year. They tried to make it work with the Cam Newton offense. It was completely different than anything we'd seen from the Patriots. Uh, you, you build the offense with the personnel you have. And maybe Arthur Smith is sort of on that mindset and they did draft Kyle Pitts in the top five. It would be interesting for sure. And with, with Mac Jones there, you and I, I think, and probably lots of other people were, were pretty confident he was going to be the starter, if not week one, then, you know, week two, week three. It just, as you mentioned, the writing was on the wall. It isn't the big takeaway here that uh, once he comes back from the shoulder, that Jones is going to be willing to throw open Nikhil Harry and we finally you know, get that massive production from him. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. That's exactly what, we, uh, what we're going to read into this. Um, the other one was Colin Johnson was really interesting. And I've been a little bit down on DJ Chark. We've talked a little bit about him either on the show or on the side, you and I. But I part of, part of my concern was that Colin Johnson was getting some praise in camp, a big-bodied outside receiver and had the potential to maybe rotate in and they really liked Marvin Jones and maybe that would impact DJ Shark snaps. He's not, you know, fully healthy, all these things, but they're going forward with, I think it's good for Chenault too, frankly, Shark, Jones, Marvin Jones and Chenault. And then I think it's Tavon Austin and Jamal Agnew, who's like a special teams are, that's their whole wide receiver room, which is another, you know, they, they, they're probably going to add to it. They've said that they're looking, but I think they're last year, they rotated early in the year quite a bit. This year, I think we're going to see those three receivers in three wide sets from week one. Yeah, you're almost going to have to play it that way. And they do insist that Chark will be ready. I think that he's a good value in drafts. I don't think he's a good value from the perspective of, okay, you can lock in the points. I think he's a good value from the perspective of there's a huge range of outcomes here, and the good ones are very good. And so you want to have a little bit of exposure to that. Marvin Jones also not completely healthy, but someone they expect to be ready for week one too. So that week one three wide could still be kind of interesting. And especially with ETN out, all you have to do is watch, you know, Robinson and Hyde in the preseason here. And you can tell it's not nearly as dynamic without ETN. So those receivers, I think will get a lot. And, you know, we would encourage people to not draft Chenault. So he's available to us. Uh, but then we're now moving into the first round here of our draft. Yeah. Jared Smola with Christian McCaffrey, number one, uh, Pete and Henry, Dalvin Cook, number two, Greg Smith, who 
Mike Clay had mentioned as one of the recent titleists takes Travis Kelsey third overall, we now have Jeff Ratcliffe in fourth, and then you and I have the fifth pick. Is this pretty clearly Darren Waller? If Waller goes to Ratcliffe here, are we already on Kyle Pitts, or would you like the top quarterback? Oh, that's interesting to go all the way to Pitts at five. I was thinking Waller or Mahomes, it feels like here, but certainly can – there's a big first tier at quarterback and hope that, you know, we'll get some, some solid quarterback options later. I, I would love to get Waller. That would be my preference. Looks like Camara on an auto pick. We'll see if this will, but yeah, I mean, I think if we can get uh Waller here, that's a fantastic start, right? Yeah, I think so as well. Uh, it looks like Mike is considering pausing it. I'm not sure if Jeff is in the draft room but yeah okay. i mean waller is uh waller i think as our guy it looks like camara is going to be the pick for jeff so ben if you could lock that in for Boom. us and uh, we're off to a fast start this the tight end here we had mentioned on the show with mike uh scott fish talked with us about this on an episode of Rotoviz Overtime before the fishbowl. And his comment was that when he analyzed two tight end formats, you almost had to have one of the tight ends, the, the top tight ends to win. So I like being able to get one of the key guys here to start. What are your thoughts on the next tight end who could be available? I had mentioned Pitts. I was also actually thinking Kittle, Kittle, Pitts, Hawkinson, now, those are some guys who even in round two, because we don't know how quickly they're going to come off, they might be interesting. But also, as you mentioned, a Mahomes, a Lamar Jackson, a Kyler Murray, those guys would be in play. Are there any running backs who would mix in for you there? Would you be considering someone like a, uh, a Diggs or a Tyreek Hill? What position do you prefer here? Do you yeah. have really a, a player that you're, you're there's definitely at. not a running back <laughs> i mean McCaffrey, cook and camara off the board i hate the third tier of running backs i have barkley and taylor still at four and five i you know i i wrote this <laughs> in my subsect today as well i don't know how to rank any of these guys so i don't want to rank i have them four and five from sort of a bet on talent standpoint and then i have zeke six but i don't want to rank anyone six i want all these guys to be rb10 that's how I feel about that. I, I Diggs and Hill would be interesting if we got into a point where we really didn't like our, our quarterback options. Maybe um, I don't know if you said Allen either. Are you a little bit down on Allen on, on regression concerns or not down on him? I, I do think that the regression concerns kind of move him to fourth for yeah. me as opposed to second, but it's fourth within a fairly tight range. And you know, all we need to do is look at what's happened already to Cam Newton. Now, it wasn't the only thing, and there were other elements that came into that. But when we look at these quarterbacks who may not be vaccinated, I mean, that, that could be an issue here with Lamar Jackson. So I, I think Kyler Murray might be second. I think then maybe Josh Allen might be third. Lamar Jackson, I think, purely in terms of points, is probably actually the overall QB1. So I like all four of those guys. I think that we could – it's hard to go wrong, at least from this perspective. You know, looking back, we'll be able to see who did have the monster season. I think one of those four guys could push to set the all-time scoring record at QB. Yeah, it is a phenomenal top tier this year with four guys that 
you can make just ridiculous upside cases for each. I mean, Kyler and Lamar both have thousand yard rushing potential. And then, you know, arguments for passing, obviously. Kyler has to still grow a little bit in that range. Lamar with, with J.K. Dobbins down now, it could look a lot more like 2019. Josh Allen, you know they're going to throw every single play. Patrick Mahomes, we don't really have to talk about him too much. It's uh, <laughs> it's a ridiculous top tier. And, and when you have four options, to your point, it's like, you know, whoever has the big year, it, it could be it could be huge. It could. It could. And after our pick, Matt Schaff takes Devontae Adams. JJ takes Ezekiel Elliott. Jason Stablich takes Tyreek Hill. Bob Harris with Derek Henry. Then Mike Clay takes Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Scott Pianowski takes Austin Eckler. And then Matthew Berry, who has worked with you a little bit and has the excellent RotoPass product there that RotoViz is a part of. He selects Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs at the one-two turn. Uh, nothing but praise for those selections. Ben, I don't think we can get any more excited about two guys than Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Yeah, that's going to be a really fun stack for him. I'm, I'm really interested in – okay, so Clay goes Saquon Barkley. He was – when we were talking with Mike, he was um, kind of joking that he might he might go with our strategy. And I, with it, seeing him go Mahomes as the first quarterback off the board, I was interested to see if he might go Kittle and, and go quarterback tight end here. Um, but Kittle goes right behind him. We are now three picks away. We still have Kyler and Lamar on the board. We have Hawkinson and Pitts on the board as well. What do you like more? that second tier of tight ends or shooting for the ceiling with quarterbacks? It's an interesting choice, right? Because we know that tight end dries up faster and yet those very top quarterbacks score so much. And if we select a quarterback, then we have both positions not covered, but we have some flexibility because we've started, we've made this beginning at both positions and we're just one away as opposed to two away in terms of covering it. Does that come into play for you, Ben, or is QB so much deeper that getting the second tight end is something that we have to really look at? Oh, I kind of like that. I mean, I kind of like because, you know, if you take two tight ends, basically, you're blocking yourself out of any potential breakout tight end or something like that, Um, you know, a commit or whatever that we, we might end up taking as a third one. And we just got onto the clock here. We still have Jackson on the board and we still have Hawkinson and Pitts, but Kyler went. What are you thinking? I think I would lean Lamar, especially when you're sitting, you're talking about him potentially being the overall QB one. But if you yeah, want to go two tight ends, I'm also very comfortable with that. No, I mean, either way sounds great. It is a big fall from Jackson to the next guy. Obviously, Russell Wilson could have a huge season. Dak Prescott could have a huge season. We do like some of the late QBs. But in terms of creating this you know, huge firepower roster, having those guys as the QB2, I think, is more exciting than having them as the QB1. It kind of looks like the second tier of tight ends will fall to us. We're a little bit closer to having back-to-back picks uh, in this next time around. So I think that Lamar Jackson with his upside is probably the pick. Yeah, I really like the tight end. QB start. It gives us some flexibility too to kind of see what the room does on this turn. There's eight picks until we're up again because we're in the five hole. So we're kind of kind of close to the turn, but not, you know, obviously extremely close. Justin Jefferson goes. There are some receivers and backs going, which are keeping some of these, you know, upper tiers at quarterback and tight end 
stalked a little bit. Um, Hawkinson or Pitts would be really interesting on the way back now that this first tier of QBs is gone. But I don't know that we'll get either. I, I would feel fortunate if we did. Yeah. I'm, the question for me, I think, if we didn't, sorry to, sorry to cut in. Um, obviously, we could stack Lamar with Andrews, but would you have any interest in considering Logan Thomas here if a few tight ends went this early at 305? I think with the depth, I think with the super flex element and the depth of all the positions, I think that Thomas will drop further. Now, you know, when we're talking about tight end, one of the things that happens not only in this format, but all formats that have any sort of tight end premium element is that unlike the other positions, you don't have multiple targets in each round. So if your tight end target goes, it completely changes your build. And so you, you have to have contingencies built in for that. You have to understand that dynamic and kind of have it blocked out how you want to approach it. And so I say, I think Thomas will drop, but if he doesn't, you know, we would need to have other ways to go about it. Uh, then update us here on the Cowboys. It, it's not like it's a, a team that we don't cover all the time, but are you now feeling like Prescott is in the clear, the team talking about him more optimistically in terms of all of the different injury things and the arm seems to be better. Is this a non-story at this point, or are we still thinking that maybe his upside isn't where it would have been previously because, you know, with how many points these top QBs are scoring and with both the running and this high-end passing element, even being just 95% of yourself, you know, maybe moves you down into a tier that's flatter because there are a lot of other guys who can do 95% of what your production is. I, I, I have him and Russ in a second tier and then another gap. I, I don't think he's up with the top four on some of those concerns. At the same time, you know, that 95% thing I think makes a lot of sense. We, we, we do still expect they're going to throw a lot. He does have ridiculous weapons. I don't really trust Ezekiel Elliott to be so good that they that they can't throw or anything like that. You know, they can become a, a ground-based team again. Their defense may be a little improved this year, but also probably not going to keep them out of some shootouts. We know Callum Moore has liked to be pass, pass first on early down since he took over as offensive coordinator. So I, I, I'm trusting that he's going to be healthy, basically. So then the picks since Lamar Jackson, Justin Jefferson, Aaron Jones, Keenan Allen, A.J. Brown, Joe Mixon, Jonathan Taylor. So our, our guys in terms of Jefferson and especially A.J. Brown are gone. We know that A.J. Brown actually has some very tiny concerns if you're looking at it from an FFPC perspective. In this, I think he would be pretty exciting. He's not there. Jonathan Taylor, probably the last running back for me who would move into the equation. Dak Prescott is selected. We have Jeff Ratcliffe ahead of us. He takes Allen Robinson. So we're back and we have access to those tight ends. I don't think running back or wide receiver has anybody for me who would jump in here and prevent no. us from taking a tight end. No, I mean, the wide receivers that are available here in the early third are, are sort of similar to the ones that are available in non-super flex situations. You know, Allen Robinson just went one pick before us. We, we could take CeeDee Lamb at 305, which he doesn't usually make it this far, but it doesn't look much different than a normal draft in that regard. There's a, a few more running backs certainly available, uh, but that's not really our, our draft plan. So it's, it's for me, it's Hawkinson, unless you want to stack Andrews with Lamar. But I think Hawkinson's the pick, right? I, I think he is. That's the direction I would like to go. I think that uh, Logan Thomas you know, could end up coming back in, in round four and, and being just a, a gigantic selection there. But 
Hawkinson really fits exactly what we want to do. And I think gives us that second guy. It allows us to really start with that same build that was so successful last season with, uh, again, kind of what we were talking about in terms of the short benches, the tight end health really dictates how well you do in this league as well. So now we just need Waller and Hawkinson to stay healthy. And I already feel very good about what we're set up to do. Yeah. And with the tight end premium element in this league, and you start two tight ends, we now have, I don't have my projections up, but I believe two of my top three projected receiving receiver uh, tight end receptions leaders. I think Hawkinson's going to catch 80 balls this year. Last year, obviously Kittle got hurt, but the, the third most receptions at the position last year was, was Logan Thomas at 72. I think Hawkinson's going to get right in that gap between Kelsey and Waller, who are both up over 100, and where the tight end three was last year. I do have Kittle projected to catch a few more balls than Hawkinson, but for me, Hawkinson is right there with Kittle in terms of receptions. I don't have him right there in efficiency necessarily. But then the gap from Hawkinson down to Andrews and, and Pitts, who are, are my next highest at tight end, is a little wider. Now, Pitts could could certainly be just an absolute monster, but Hawkinson was a, a really nice selection there with the tight end premium, I think. Now, Ben, we're going to do something that we hope is fun for our shows next week. We're going to be drafting in the FFPC main event. Obviously, we'll be covering that the way we cover some of these drafts, but we're also going to be giving – hot takes for the players that we select when we select them give you the thesis the real upside possibility for the player to help in the million dollars and we need to start right here and jay hawkinson i hear you saying he is going to lead the tight end position in receptions that his role compared to darren waller uh travis kelsey we know that those guys are both set up to catch passes and they're superstars, but Kelsey has at least a little bit of competition with Tyreek Hill, and there with the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, maybe just not having quite the same caliber of passing offense, uh, will hold Darren Waller down a little bit. Now, obviously with Detroit, we have Jerry Goff, but even with those caveats, I'm hearing TJ Hawkinson leads tight end in yeah. receptions in 21. Yeah, I mean that's the the bull case. What I'm saying is, at a baseline projection, I have him at eighty at eighty receptions, which seems pretty pretty darn aggressive. But when you look at the targets per route run in this offense and the different the different pieces, um, Hawkinson, his even his best season last year blows away any any of the kind of career numbers of all the guys they brought in, Tyrell Williams and all these types. You know, Khalif Raymond. You know, they have a few young guys, but. DeAndre Swift's banged up too. I mean, the, the guy who actually has shown a little bit of uh, upside in terms of earning targets is Hawkinson in this offense. It looks very much like Darren Waller has looked over the last few years in the Raiders offense where he's sort of just dominated that that passing game. And I mean, this is my baseline projection, but I, I 100% believe that Hawkinson can catch 100 balls this year and, lead, and could lead all tight ends if he does. Well, speaking in terms of someone using our preferred approach, Matthew Berry there at the three, four turn. Uh, again, we mention all the time, if you're at the turn, if you have the late pick, you got to do something aggressive to rebalance the playing field. He is gone. Mark Andrews, Logan Thomas were obviously behind those picks 100%. Then as we come back through in round four, Justin Herbert, Tom Brady, the top QBs on the board. Uh, are we in a position now where we're looking at some of these guys? Or do we finally break the seal and take a running back, take a wide receiver? 
Yeah, it's pretty interesting, right? Um, at running back, our top available are Clyde Woods Alaire and DeAndre Swift, a couple of guys that have lost a little shine, but we liked at one point. At receiver, Keenan Allen is still on the board, but beyond him, it's DJ Moore for me, which maybe is early for him in this in this type of setting where he could fall a little bit, and Herbert just went as well. So now, I mean, I have Burrow and Brady and then Fields and Lance. I don't mind waiting a little bit at QB, especially because we could wait for the swing back and maybe get a, a rookie if we wanted. I could go a lot of ways here. What do you think? Yeah, the QB, we've gotten into the deep part, and so it's very tempting to wait, see what happens, kind of get the tail end of that tier as opposed to the front end of it. Um, I know I don't have to make the case to you, but when we recorded Rotoviz overtime earlier today uh, one of the listener questions was you know who's being drafted outside the first say two or three rounds who could be the overall wide receiver one we again gave your dj Moore case i don't have to sell you on more uh, do we need to kind of urge caution to each other on more when we're looking at him compared to getting an edwards Alaire? Uh, is there a reason why we would want to take the one running back and then avoid the position for the next 10 rounds, or, or do we need to get more here? No, I think we can just go zero RB. We need six receivers. You, you, you definitely don't have to sell me on more. I'm, I'm happy to press draft right now. And then, like you said, we have a little options to swing back at a QB in the fifth, and Moore's, Moore's our, our, you know, our number one receiver. You good with that? Is that what you're thinking? Well, I thought maybe you were going to go the other way, but again, I mean, you, you don't have to oh. sell me on DJ Moore. And this is an easy way to sort of – say our our need right, for well, we got we got 15 seconds what do you like do you want clyde no let's let's uh yeah let's take him and, and see if more comes back hey everybody this is dave cabin from the rotoviz flagship podcast just stopping by to say thank you for listening to rotoviz radio we're offering our listeners a special 10% discount when they use the promo code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Again, that's 10% off a one-year subscription when you use the promo code RVRADIO2021. Thanks for listening and keep on tuning in. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm very good with that. I'm very good with that as well. Because I think that's pretty strong value. I mean, think about a non-super flex draft. I mean, sometimes it's helpful to balance. Clyde Edwards Alaire, someone I'm thinking, I'm, I'm considering, in, you know, at the 2-3 turn, depending on build, depending on, you know, what I want to do. Certainly would be happy to get him in the middle of the third. More, who I love, I don't think I'm taking in the middle of the third, typically. So, even I mean, I have him ranked wide receiver 12th, but I wouldn't take him in the middle of the third even there because you can still get a couple guys that I have ranked very highly. So, I have no there issue. Of different, there are a couple of different things going on right here. I have come around a little bit to the idea that Jarrett McKinnon is going to play a role. One of the themes that I've discussed is that with – Brian Westbrook with LaShawn McCoy, there was just such a concentration of targets to the stud back. That back is a little bit smaller, really fits the template of what Andy Reid wants to do. That back in Kansas City is Clyde Edwards-Alaire. But McKinnon is so funny because we were recording with Davis not that long ago. We're making jokes about him, you know, basically being in the morgue, these legs that don't work at all. He's looked great in Chiefs camp. I think that they're going to try and keep Edwards Alaire healthy. I think that maybe he's going to play a little bit bigger role there. So maybe the ceiling is a little bit lower, but I, I still love the floor. I still love the median outcome. Conversely, Ben, you were discussing, and I can't remember if it was on air or just off the two of us together chatting, but the usage for Moore in the preseason has been very exciting. It looks like he could be making that Stefan Diggs jump. We talk about it all the time, but then the context of his talent, his before the catch talent, his after the catch talent, but he needs the right routes in the preseason, it's been very promising. It's been great. I mean, seeing, especially in the in the third preseason game, seeing him catch six passes for 48 yards, catching a, a third and four, a third and five on a quick out, catching a fourth and one on a quick out, and, and being the first read on both plays. We didn't see that last year during the season. So that that is what I wanted to see. I wanted to see that that Carolina went back in the offseason, Matt Rule and, and Joe Brady, they thought about it. They thought, how do, how do we want to – deploy this this new set of receivers we don't have Curtis Samuel anymore we have Terrace Marshall um, you know an unpolished player but a very good player but a bigger slot somebody who can get more vertical he had a 20 yard catch in that game he was running a little bit more vertically out of the slot how do we want to deploy him related to to Curtis Samuel and the obvious thing to say is like well the reliable guy that we have you know that Robbie Anderson also very reliable as well but especially with more being kind of I would you know I would say a little more physical, a little bit more of a after-the-catch guy to run those types of money down, key routes, be the first read. It's just been very obvious to me that it should be DJ Moore. And then you don't want to assume sort of that rational coaching thing, but feels like that's what we're getting. That's what it looked like. And they did it a couple of times. And I'm willing to buy into that a little bit and say, look, this is what will unlock him if this happens. So if I'm seeing it, I'm very excited. And with Moore, it's almost a little bit better scenario in some ways. Now, with the Josh Allen emergence, I mean, it's just vanishingly unlikely that Moore gets that kind of quarterback play. At the same time, Stephon Diggs is so clearly separated from every other player on that Bills roster that he's going to get the defensive attention, and you just can't take him away, right? I mean, he's just this route runner unparalleled, and yet the defenses are trying, 
I think in the situation here with Moore, he's going to be able to get a lot of target volume, and it's going to be difficult oh, for defenses. One pick before us, and now we got to rethink. We got a minute to do so. I have Higgins as my next. Sorry to cut off your analysis. No, no, that, that's a. I I thought he was going to make it. Unfortunately, the uh, default settings here kept pushing him up, pushing him up. Yeah, I, the quarterback position I think is deep enough right now, and the rhetoric is off of Burrow enough, and there's concern about the first week one starting for Lance and Fields which in a, as we mentioned with the starting with the total number of roster slots makes it a little bit trickier here. I think we can pass on quarterback and, you know, T Higgins could go at any moment. So yeah, he's right there with by. more for me. The only, the only question would be if we wanted to go two running backs and take Deandre Swift, cause I don't think he should be here this late, but uh, we Ooh, do have Hawkinson already. Man, that would be compelling as well. I'm going to leave it to you because I'm very comfortable with both. I think we already have Edwards Zillair. We're going to get some zero RB targets. We're only going to start three running backs. I kind of want to get our first receiver. Let's do it. I said I was going to leave it to you, and then I and then I decided. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, we, we talked so much about zero RB. We talked about needing to get deep at receiver. You know, I would have loved to get Swift there. I mean, both Clyde Edwards Zillair and Swift would have been really interesting when we already had two really strong tight ends and Lamar Jackson. But we love T. Higgins, and and I think we do need to start hitting wide receiver. And the injury situation is scary enough with Swift that I don't think it's impossible he falls all the way through. We'll have another kind of tricky decision to make at that point because you know we'll be able to find some more wide receivers that we have a hard time passing the next time around. Then where are you now on Joe Burrow? We've selected Higgins. The stacking is you know more or less irrelevant but we are making this bet that the Bengals offense is going to be successful when i look at him compared to the rest of the quarterbacks who are available i mean his his ceiling is just through the roof especially when we're talking about the second half of the season and with our tight end floor i like our chances to be there at that point yeah i love i love it with burrow i think the early camp stuff was to be expected, frankly, we, we should have expected, you know, he was, he got hurt in November. We should have expected that he wasn't going to be perfectly comfortable throwing in the pocket and things. And, and, you know, maybe there's a case to be made that he shouldn't have been out there, but he's out there getting reps. Even if he's not fully ready week one, we have a very good idea that, that he's going to play, or at least it seems that way. And then, the way I look at it is like, yeah, he's going to probably be a little cautious. Maybe it impacts his play a little bit, but by like week four, he's going to have enough game reps, you know, get everything sort of back under his belt. The competitive juices get flowing, whatever you want to say, like he's going to be fine relatively early into the season. I don't think it's going to be something that you, know, you mentioned late in the season. I, I would say it more like week four is my target where I'm, I'm thinking by that point, the guy's going to be back to sort of back to normal unless he just like gets the yips or something. I mean, how long, how long sort of does it, does it last where he doesn't feel comfortable stepping into his throws and things? I think it's a few games really. I think that's exactly right. And Jamar Chase started to emerge a little bit at Bengals camp and in Bengals practices also encouraging for just what the upside of that offense is. Then looking at these receivers going off the board after our pick, Jerry Judy goes, Brandon Ayuk goes, we get a couple of QBs in Matthew Stafford and Jalen Hurts, David Montgomery at the running back position. 
I think the question that is on my mind and, and must be on the listener's mind as a result is when is too early, especially in a fun draft where we're going to take a ton of wide receivers and we can get a little bit crazy in terms of where we pick some of these guys. How early is too early for Lewis Gishnall? <laughs> uh, can you see the work list that I'm, that I'm adding or is this only in my draft room? I think it's only you. I'm, I'm currently uh, boxed out by not being logged in. So I have added to the work list uh, Burrow and Swift because he's still there as we get to the turn and we're still about eight picks away. Jamar Chase, who is still there and we like very much and we would have no issue taking Higgins with Chase. And and then we'd certainly have, have made that bet. And on the way back in the seventh, it's very possible we could hit Burrow and then have this Bengals super stack that would be pretty fun. And then I added... Chase Claypool and LaVisca Chenault, because those are those are the next two on my list. I, I do have Claypool ahead of Chenault still. Would you take Chenault over Claypool? I'm not to the point now where I would. I, I just think that the volume situation is so much more favorable, and I think those guys are pretty comparable talents. At the same time, there is less of a concern that the Steelers passing offense will just be terrible. We know that even a compromise Ben Roethlisberger can get these guys going. I mean, you'd like to see them kind of in that playoff game scenario more often. Maybe their defense is too good for that to happen too often when they haven't kind of blown the game early, which, you know, it isn't going to be something that happens every week. And then you follow the different teams and everything was very negative for Claypool sort of down the stretch of last season. And then the, in the off season, there were some weird off the field things and then training camp has happened and team watchers are back to being like, I mean, Chase Claypool is impossible to cover. I mean, he is the alpha star in this offense. You and I have discussed the fact that there are really quite a few scenarios where Deontay Johnson you know, doesn't drop passes and is one of the top you know, four or five targeted guys in the NFL, which would obviously make him a value. We still love Juju. He in the playoff game did exactly what we would kind of expect him to do when he's fully healthy. Some of these guys, it just takes really a, a long time to get all the way back and, and be who they are again. I mean, Juju is a guy who had a near 300-point season. We can't ignore that, but if people following the team are saying Claypool is it, I mean, that's very difficult to ignore. Yeah, I keep going back to Claypool, one, getting his routes cut late in the year and James Washington getting more playing time and that sort of being a negative. But they did give reasons for that. They were very dubious. They were the, you know, they didn't want him to hit a rookie wall and these types of things, which is very sort of bizarre, but I guess could have been, we could just take that at face value and then think, okay, well, maybe they'll let him go in the second year. I Yeah, I think that's sort of a negative. Then the, the positive flip side of that is not only was Claypool very explosive and players like him tend to be efficiency players, you know, whoever you want to say, DK Metcalfs or what have you, very valuable downfield targets, a lot of touchdowns, all those things. But he also earned targets per route at the highest rate of any rookie last year, a fraction of a percent higher than Justin Jefferson. That's I, I keep going back to that where if, if Claypool's actually really good at earning targets too or if Ben just really likes him or whatever it is and then he's explosive on top of it and then he adds the full routes, it's pretty hard to see that <laughs> – it's pretty hard to, to not see upside there. It is. It is. And JJ pulls the trick on us right before we select. He does go with DeAndre Swift. So Ben, that probably moves us to those wide receivers at the QB position. We're looking at the top guys in the default here being Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan, Joe Burrow, Derek Carr, uh, Mayfield still there, Tua, Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, 
the rest of those rookies. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering, and we're up now, but we've done we've done late round QB with some success in this league as well. I'm wondering if you're comfortable with that second QB kind of pushing it and seeing what happens. I am. I mean, I, I, number one, I do want Burrow, but I think that it's possible that he continues to slide. And if not, you know, if we could hit Justin Fields, I mean, that would be a home right. run. It's going to be a situation where they, I mean, especially now with this, the finger thing, I don't know if it's a big deal or not, but with Lance, maybe that moves him back, but Fields is going to be there awfully early, right? Yeah, I, I am very excited about him. We have Chase, Chenault, Claypool all on the board still. Do you like Jamar Chase here? Ahead of them? I didn't ask you that one yet. Or should we go Chanel? Let's take Claypool because that opens us up to then going with Chanel, where, uh, you know, if we go with Chase, maybe we're a little bit more limited in terms of being able to get both of those guys. Maybe too much Bengals might not be the way we'll get a little bit of, of diversification here. I do think that Chanel will come back through, but it could be close. We're probably not the only tandem in this draft who are excited about what he could do this year. Yeah, it might it might get tight with him. He is pretty far down the default rankings on this uh on this list. Jamar Chase is still there obviously ahead of him. Debo Samuel, Michael Gallup, Will Fuller. We are getting thin at receiver. I actually I do I do think he probably goes, but some running backs are starting to go. We'll see. And we did take Chase Claypool, so now we have Lamar Jackson, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, both Higgins and Claypool as second-year receivers. And Jamar Chase went right behind us. It's going to make it even less likely for Chenault. But maybe we'll get lucky there. And then Waller and Hawkins hit a tight end as well. So we are I, – I mean, look, I love Chenault. I have him everywhere. I, I don't have an issue with having Claypool here instead of Chenault. I, I think they're both – we were discussing who we would who we would prefer, you know, in front of the other, but they're both reasonably close. And Ben, we don't want to give away too much for our draft on Friday, but in terms of looking at the five six turn, we're going to be drafting out of the nine slot. What should people be thinking about when they go through that range? So probably Jerry Judy is gone. That's where in a non-double tight end kind of format, we're looking at Logan Thomas. Uh, Noah Fant is now kind of moving into round seven. So the five, six turns for the 604 might be early for him. But again, because of the tight end uh, lack of depth and just really the one target per round kind of situation, you have to consider him a little bit if you've missed early. And then there are some interesting choices in terms of Darrell Henderson, Trey Sermon. You know, do you take LaVisca? really pretty early or do you let him wrap back around Pat was saying he thinks henderson is going to continue to fall do you agree with that and is henderson someone who more or less off your board as a result where are we looking at running back here if we were forced into a pick um i have javante williams next like right now when we're in this range in this draft here um but then i i do have henderson after that, and then Hunt, Edmonds, Gaskin, some more of these sort of dead zone packs. It's not really – I mean, anyone who knows me knows that I'm probably not going to go running back here. Williams would be the pick as the rookie, the, the type of shot that I'm willing to take in the dead zone and running back. But I would prefer the the Logan Thomas or Chenault type of path personally. Is Javante Williams someone that you could see 
being a league winner or does the and obviously your rank suggests to an extent that you do i've written about him for the zero rb target list and have suggested that i do at the same time you know mella gordon is there the offense may not be great and even though it's running back versus wide receiver they've got a lot of receivers they could go through to make this offense hum yeah i mean it is interesting this this offense, you know, operating that way. The, the reason that I, I mean, look, we can beat the quarterback stuff, um, you know, beat it, beat it into the ground. But I think Teddy Bridgewater is the type that will uh, throw to the running back a lot regardless. And so, especially if Melvin Gordon at his, uh, you know, we'll say advanced age were to miss some time, he's only played 16 games, I believe once in his career. I think he's only played, 15 one other time he typically misses a couple of games every year it's just sort of the what's been his career trajectory he misses a couple of games you have Javante Williams probably catching five passes and and doing the the things that you need to have a real a real ceiling so I I'm pretty excited there's a lot of reasons obviously in this prospect profile you could talk you could speak to 21 year old rookie and they traded up to get him and yeah, I think he could be a league winner for sure. So then there are two picks ahead of ours here. And unless they come off exactly as Joe Burrow and LaVisca Chenault, we're going to get someone we're very excited about in round seven. And Tyler Higby just went. So we have locked that in. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty thrilled about that. Who do we prefer? Do we prefer another receiver and letting and, and we do have our choice? Do we prefer another receiver and and letting quarterback continue to sort of work itself out? Uh, I think that's how I lean. Although I'm very comfortable going Burrow. Actually, behind Burrow, we have Fields and Lance. We already have Trevor Lawrence off the board. We have Cousins off the board. We're going to get into the deep stuff pretty quick. So We are. This might be a range where we actually did want to take Burrow and then try and come back and get a third QB with one of those other guys if they fall through like you mentioned it, it gets it gets late in a hurry in super flex this might be the range to take it it'd be hard to pass on chanel here because now it's a really long way back to our pick in round eight i mean he's not going to make it through so we are passing on him if we give it up here but with a super flex you just don't want to you want to be the, the last team to take the last star but you don't want to get out of that range because then you're in deep trouble yeah, so we're going to go Burrow here. We're leaving both Fields and Lance, and we're very excited about both. But certainly, we're excited about Burrow as well. And then on top of it, we already did make the bet on Higgins, as we talked about. I think Burrow just made too much sense there to pass up. Still have Devontae potentially coming back around. Would that be something you'd be interested in uh, the, the late eighth round? Yes, so we only have the one running back. We're very comfortable letting the running backs fall in this start six wide receiver format. We know that they're going to keep going very, very late. Josh Jacobs just comes off at the 7.06. And so there's no pressure to do that. But also we don't want to get caught up in structure to the point where we miss our favorite guys. And so I think that he may come back and, and that would be a pretty exciting pick. It would help us get over the fact that Chenault goes just a couple picks after us. So he, that was definitely the range that he was going to come off in. Ben, who are the next wide receivers that we're looking at? I was just going to mention that. Yeah, so I have 
I have it as Debo, and then uh, a little ways down, Gallup and Fuller. I've brought Shark up right behind them. Devonta Smith, Elijah Moore, Rondale Moore, basically. Jarvis Landry, Mike Williams. Now we're getting into those mid-round picks. Jalen, I, I have Jalen Waddle a little ways down. He is still available as well. Terrace Marshall, Jacoby Myers. So several sort of interesting receivers a little bit later, but we're going to get to the point where like, if somebody like Debo makes it back to us, I'm very interested as well as Gallup and Fuller, you know, Fuller is a guy that I know you're very high. on. He is. He is Jarvis Landry, someone that interests you at all. Another question that I have, and this becomes sort of relevant again, in terms of our strategizing for the main event. Now that Michael Thomas is going to be out through week seven, any appeal still there? One of the things in this format that I like, and this is something that we took advantage of in our Rotoviz Dynasty Triflex startup, was that there's an IR position. And so we could stash him for the first half of the season and again assume that our tight end and QB very early build will carry us there. But a wide receiver is going to be shallow enough that you use a pick on someone who isn't going to perform through the first half of the season. And I mean, you're playing from behind. Yeah. That's the hard thing for me, uh, especially in this format where we start six receivers is using a pick on him, knowing we're not going to get him for such a long stretch. I, I have him in my ranks quite a ways down still behind all those names that I mentioned, even the Jacoby Myers. I mean, that's just how I've been playing the Michael Thomas scenario. Oh, he just went off the board. So, uh, Matthew Barry took him and he was thinking similar to you. He has had a pretty strong draft. And Will Fuller goes to Mike Clay just before that. So wide receiver drying up quickly. We do have some deep guys that it gets kind of fun to take in formats like this where otherwise we don't really get to have them because they don't fit structurally with most leagues, but they could here. That's going to do it for the First half of our going deep draft tonight on Stealing Bananas. I'm Sean Siegel with me, as always, is Ben Gretsch. You can follow him at Yards Per Gretsch. Please make sure you're subscribed to his Stealing Signals newsletter. He's got a bunch of great updates in there. You got the rankings, you got the advanced stats. You're going to have the column, right? I mean, the article for fantasy football on the entire internet. Stealing Signals coming out early in the week once the season starts. We know that. You're going to be just vacuuming up every word of that. Rotoviz has an amazing plan for beginning the season. I mentioned a couple times we're going to have wide receiver routes. We're going to have running back broken tackles, all that stuff uh, that you want for your one-stop shop in fantasy this year. If you're looking to subscribe, you can save quite a bit. You can save 10% with the discount code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Please give us a rating and review. You guys have been too kind with those. Uh, we appreciate the feedback so much. If you can, subscribe to our individual feed. We're going to have a lot of individual draft shows coming out over the next week, and a lot of our player takes will be in that, how we navigate drafts, but also the stats and the structure that we feel are important for drafting these guys. We know that you're doing a lot of drafts next weekend, next weekend, the big weekend, and then even with these great FFPC contests going uh, the following Friday, Saturday, you can draft after those first NFL games. Stick with us for that. Uh, we can't wait for part two of this show. 
where we try and compete with the industry's best experts in going deep. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.